Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. A lot of investors love dividends. Understandable because who doesn't like getting a payment in your account or a check in the mail? Plus there are tax benefits from franking credits. But maybe investors are looking at this the wrong way. Roger Montgomery, founder and chief investment officer of Montgomery Investment Management, has written about this recently, why investors should avoid the siren call of high dividend stocks. Remember, this is general information only, and you should seek professional advice before making investment decisions. Roger, welcome back to Fear and Greed. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. I think one of the first things I learned as a journalist, I had no business background, and I went into business journalism, was if you buy Telstra, you're getting a 5% yield. Why wouldn't you do it with those franking credits? <laughs> yes. Telstra is an example I've used uh, not only in on our blog and in articles for The Australian, but also in university lectures to explain the difference between a, a high-quality business and a, a ho-hum <laughs> business. Um, not that yes. Telstra is not high-quality, but it's of lesser quality because of its inability to grow. And the problem for investors is often that they're lured to investing in Telstra and businesses like Telstra because of the relatively attractive dividend yield. The problem with that is that when a dividend yield is attractive because a company has increased its payout ratio or pays out the majority of its earnings as a dividend, the problem is that the company doesn't have much money to reinvest for growth. And it can, it can obtain that money by uh, raising capital, which of course would dilute shareholders' stake in the business, or it could borrow money, which would increase the risk. And so the first thing to say is that management is responsible for a couple of things. And one skill that they need to have is operating the business. But another skill that's equally important is what we call capital allocation. And that's the, the management of the capital and the, the, the balancing act that exists between paying an income to the owners of the business, but also retaining a sufficient quantity of capital to be able to grow the business. Now, if a business is generating a very high rate of return on its equity, and that's something you and I can't do. So if we if we receive a dividend, what are we going to do? We, you know, we might put it in a term deposit, and at the moment we might receive something like 4% or something like that. But if the company is able to generate another 20% return or a 30% return on its capital, it is far, far more rewarding for shareholders for the company to retain that capital, to retain those profits, reinvest it at 20, 30, 40% and grow the earnings of that business than to pay it out as a dividend. And that is even, and, and when you take tax into consideration, so when you think about an investor who might be a retiree and therefore receives all of the benefit of franking credits as well that boosts the dividend yield even further, they are still better off having the money retained and compounded and then selling some shares in the future. Remember, they're on zero tax rate anyway, so they're not paying any capital gains tax and selling those shares. And they'll only have to sell a few shares because the shares will have gone up buy a lot more and their overall return will be much higher than if they receive the dividend. And the best example of that, an example of a company that's paid no dividends, has retained all its profits at a very high rate of return for many, many decades is Berkshire Hathaway. 
And so Berkshire Hathaway's shares now trade at $400,000 each. And why? Because dividends weren't paid out. Uh, The money was retained and compounded at a high rate of return on equity. Now, of course, there are lots of caveats to this. And and, I can already hear listeners, (laughs) I can already hear listeners saying, but, but, you know, management does terrible things with my money. I'd rather have it. That's true. Um, We're talking about businesses that are able to generate high rates of return on equity sustainably, and they've got management. Those businesses are run by managers that not only know how to run the business, but know how to allocate capital. And the to finish this particular argument, it's probably best to compare Telstra, which is the company you mentioned in your question, uh, to CSL, for example. If we go all the way back to 2005, Telstra's yield in 2005 was about 6% and CSL's yield was about 5%. So on balance, you might have thought, well, I'll go with Telstra because it gives me a better yield. So if you'd invested $100,000 in Telstra that year, your income that year would have been about $6,000, whereas your income from investing $100,000 in CSL would have only been $5,000. So you might think you've been a wise investor putting $100,000 in Telstra rather than CSL. But if we then fast forward 10 years to 2015, well, the $100,000 in Telstra has grown. It's grown to $117,000 or about $118,000. And the income has grown. The income's grown from $6,000 to $6,500. So you might think, yay, you know, I made the right decision. (laughs) Well done. But $100,000 in Telstra, remembering it was, number one, generating a higher rate of return on equity, and number two, it was actually retaining a larger proportion of its profits and compounding its equity and therefore its earnings. Well, that $100,000 grew to not $117,000 or $118,000 like Telstra, but it grew to a million dollars. And the income, here's the thing, the income grew from $5,000 a year in 2005 to almost $19,000 a year by 2015. So CSL wasn't just a growth stock, it's a better income stock as well. So because the yield after 10 years is actually almost 19% on your original $100,000. And now, just to avoid being accused of picking a great period, what if we started the uh, assessment 10 years ago from today? So we went back and started the comparison in 2013 and and fast forward to now. Well, $100,000 in Telstra provided a 6.25% yield in 2013. So you would have received income of $6,250 on your $100,000 investment, whereas CSL on your $100,000 investment in 2013 gave you only two and a quarter percent, so $2,250 of income. So triple the income from Telstra in 2013 because the yield was three times more than the yield on CSL. But fast forward to today, and that $100,000 is only worth $92,000 in Telstra, and the income has dropped from $6,250 to $3,800, and CSL's $100,000 has grown to about $600,000, so it's been a six-fold increase, and your income has tripled from $2,200 to $6,372. So the yield the yield is a distraction if it causes you to invest in an inferior business. 
So, th- th- I mean, the moral of that story really is that you need to look at the business first and foremost, and the other stuff, dividends, are add-ons. Yes. What you want to search for first is a quality business, a business that can sustainably generate high rates of return on equity, and your yield will be better if you invest in that business. You will actually generate more growth and more income from investing in that high-quality business than just going for the stock that pays the highest dividend yield today. Now, it's a difficult challenge It's a difficult challenge for people who are near retirement or retired. Yeah, I was going to ask about pensioners and people like that who just want an income stream every year. Yeah, it's a challenge because you have to balance the income need, the immediate income needs, your requirement to eat and pay for a holiday and pay for healthcare with the requirement to maintain purchasing power. In other words, to to achieve growth so that whatever bottle of wine you can afford today, you can still afford in 5, 10 or 15 years time. Um, and, and remember, the stock market doesn't care how old you are. Yep. So, you know, I always hear the refrain, yes, but Roger, I don't have 20 years. You know, I, I need to invest for now. Well, the stock market doesn't really, isn't going to reward you for your age. It's going to reward you for picking high quality businesses. So no matter what your age, you should be investing sensibly. And sensibly means those high quality businesses, little or no debt, great growth prospects, and generating high rates of return on invested capital. Stay with me, Roger. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Roger Montgomery, founder and chief investment officer of Montgomery Investment Management. Can I ask about the banks specifically? Because many people invest in, we all invest in banks probably through our super fund, but many do individually anyway. They are yielding stocks. They're not quite Telstra, but they still do pretty well. Well, and they do grow as well. And and they grow. Yeah. So is, is there a sweet spot in a sense that you can get a bit of both? I think, I think you have to balance your portfolio needs to have some growth and some yield. And the banks, at the moment, I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant to advocate a big investment in the banks, although most listeners will already have an investment in them. Yep. Yep. Um, and the reason why is that term funding facility, that the $188 billion of RBA funding that was offered to banks at 0.1%, that's due to be paid back in September this year and June next year. And that will result in a, in a very, very significant increase in cost of funds for the banks as they turn to the wholesale funding market to replace that cheap debt. Uh, and that means that their net interest margins could come under pressure. And they're under pressure anyway at the moment because they're competing so... Ferociously. <laughs> for, I think that's a great word. Ferociously, probably appropriate because there's, you know, there's a slowing of mortgage growth uh, and mortgage book growth uh, or credit growth in the mortgage space. People aren't borrowing money to buy houses at at the same level that they were years ago. So there's a lot of competition. So that's not going away. In fact, if anything, that could become more of a problem for banks' margins over the uh, the course of the next 12 months or 18 months. Uh, And so I think banks, ultimately, if you live on an island, you want to own the banks. They're great businesses to own. But now might not be the perfect time to be heavily invested in them. Okay, we're almost out of time. But so what, I mean, CSL, is that still what you consider a growth stock, still a company that people should think about based on what you're talking about? What other growth companies are there that you think just worth having a look at? And I'm just reminding listeners, 
everyone has their own personal circumstances, so this is not investment advice, but tell us what you like. Well, here's one that is considered an income stock, but might actually have some growth to it that's probably being underappreciated by the market, and that's Transurban. So Transurban has managed to hedge or fix its significant debt at very, very low rates. You know, when rates bottomed out 12 months ago or so, or maybe 18 months ago, they managed to hedge or fix their considerable debt at very, very low rates. And at the same time, 68% of their toll revenue is pegged to CPI. And because of the way the business is structured and the way those price increases come through, there's going to be at least 18 months of significant toll road price increases that are going to feed through to revenue for the company. And the rest of it, about 27% of its revenue, receives increases that are fixed at 4.25%. So you can imagine if your debt is fixed at a very low rate and your revenue is growing either at 4.25% per annum or at CPI. And remember, CPI rates went up as high as, they went over 7% last year. That's going to feed through to revenue increases. So this is a business that's seen as a bond proxy. It's seen as an income stock. But over the next 18 months to 24 months, it's going to have some serious growth as well. Smart management often comes down to that CSL, Transurban, kind of good CEOs, good management teams, Roger. Indeed, indeed. Thank you for talking to Fear and Greed, Roger. Always a pleasure, Sean. Speak to you again soon. That was Roger Montgomery, founder and chief investment officer of Montgomery Investment Management. For more information, visit montinvest.com. That's M-O-N-T-I-N-V-E-S-T, montinvest.com. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, this is general information only, and you should seek professional advice before making investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.